1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As we always do, we are almost always, we live stream the first couple segments of the program. Go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. You can watch us as we make radio magic. All right, Eric Bilstadt, you might want to leave the room before I start off with my opening <laughs> comment, because you might not want to be associated yeah, with this. I but, know where you're going, so uh, yeah, that's, that that's Absolutely. Eric Bilstadt disassociating himself with this. All right. All right. It, it's a day early, but the turkey is gobbling. Here we go. Here, This is the way Channel 4 reports it. Milwaukee streetcar, the flop, I mean the hop, gets stuck on St. Paul Avenue Bridge, causes delays. Here's the story. Milwaukee's new streetcar, the hop, got stuck Wednesday morning on the St. Paul Avenue Bridge near the Milwaukee Public Market. The sudden halt in the route created traffic backups near the area, you think. Two passengers were aboard and had to wait close to an hour. The delay took about 30 minutes to clear up. Service has since been restored and is expected to run as normal for the rest of the day. Well, okay, (laughs) they probably didn't expect this to happen anyways. City engineer and streetcar operator so-and-so says the issue was caused when power in one of the vehicles went out, which required it to be towed. I mean, these are new cars. These are new things, and the power is going out. This was the first significant incident since the hop opened earlier this month. Uh, Two of the streetcar's major stops are Milwaukee Public Market and the Milwaukee Intermodal Station. So, all right, no weather issues. It's not like there's ice. It's not like there's snow. It's not like there's cold. It just... It just died. <laughs> it just died. And apparently what happened is they had to they had to come and they had to, like, push it off. Um, but here's the interesting part of the story, and I guess it's both the good news and the bad news. All right, here's the way they report it. The sudden halt in the route created traffic backups during near the area. Uh, two passengers were aboard and had to wait close to an hour. What's the op- There's only two people on board the thing. So, I mean, I guess the good news is, at least as far as the riders, there wasn't hardly anybody on the thing. Two passengers were on it. Unfortunately, those people had to wait close to an hour. Delay took about 30 minutes to clear up. How many more stories like this are we going to have? And by the way, color me skeptical. I, I understand that they say, oh, we had all these riders the first couple weeks. Well, a lot of, first of all, until you start charging for this, you're, you're never going to know if it's really filling a demand or not. I mean, there was a story the other day about all these senior citizens, the residents of, um, you know, one of the senior living facilities, they decided to take a field trip to the hop. You know, it's kind of like, here, we're going to go, we're going to go ride the streetcar because it, it's free and it's cheaper than doing heading to Great America or something. So whatever numbers you see are incredibly artificially inflated. But that that's okay. You know, at some point in time, you know, when people have to actually start paying to ride it, we'll know if it's really a success or not. But today, today, Two people aboard the hop were stuck when the power just went out, and apparently they had to big traffic delays, and they had to push the streetcar out. Huh? Maybe what they should do, maybe what they should do is, since we're going back to technology that was there in the early part of the 1900s, maybe they should take another step and and, and maybe have a bunch of horses like the Clydesdales and stuff ready, so whenever the the hop loses power. You can just have all these draft horses that run out, and they pull it along the route. Just saying. So if you were tied up in traffic by the public market the day before Thanksgiving in downtown Milwaukee, well, it was because the hop stopped working. 
All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, we're, we're going to have some lighter topics over the course of today's program as well, because I understand it is the day before Thanksgiving. Lots of people have off today, or people, if you work, you work till noon. I understand a lot of people got a head start on the, the long weekend. So you know, we're going to mix in some of the heavy lifting stuff with some of the lighter stuff. But I do want to start off with something that, that is a heavy lifting sort of thing. Let me kind of back into this topic. About two years ago, one of my colleagues here at WTMJ, who no longer works here, he came in one morning and he was obviously, he was more frazzled than he typically was. And this particular coworker got frazzled a, a lot. But he was more frazzled than normal. And I said, you know, what, what's going on? What, what's happened? Everything okay? He said, no. He said he was driving on the freeway, and he was coming north on 43, heading from the downtown area to work. So, you, of course, if you're doing that, you would get off to come here. You'd go on the Capitol Drive exit. He said right as he was leaving downtown, this car passes him at like, well, he sees it coming up behind him. He said he's probably driving 60 miles an hour. This car is going at least 80 miles an hour. The car swerves out into the lane, goes to try to pass him. And my friend says he he gives the guy a a dirty look. I said, did you make an obscene gesture? He said, no, I didn't. But I kind of stared at him. Said, what happens then is the car that's in the left lane slows down. The passenger rolls down the window and points a gun at my friend. And it, it, understandably, at that point in time, my friend kind of like slams on the brakes, the car drives off. This was not a shooting incident, but it could easily have been. Just the other day, and a matter of fact, I've always been mindful of this, because the other day, I was driving the other way on the freeway. So I'm on I-43, I'm in the northern part of Milwaukee County, and if you're coming from Ozaki County, the speed limit goes from 70 to 55. Well, well nobody necessarily does that. But I, I was watching this car in my rearview mirror, and if I am going 65 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone, this car is doing 90. I mean, and it's one of the – it's weaving back and forth, you know, in, in traffic, and the thing does – the car does the same thing for me. It comes up on my bumper, swings out. I'm in the right-hand lane, swings in the left lane, goes past me, and then immediately swings back in the right lane, kind of cutting me off because – Again, there's a car in the left lane that's a little bit ahead. The guy is driving like a complete and total jerk. And if there was ever a situation where you would think that you would be justified in perhaps making an obscene gesture or something like that, this would be the case. Because the guy is driving like a maniac, and it it could not end well at some point in time. But I remember thinking, no, I'm not going to do that because, number one, I don't do those things. But secondly, I'm remembering my colleague who, you know, you, you give somebody a dirty look, and next thing you know, you, you've got, you know, you've you've got gunfire or at least guns that are being pointed, which brings me this to the story about what happened Friday on I-43, a shooting that left two 20-year-old men badly wounded. This is according to Sheriff Richard Smith. He said, all right, what happened were was that there were two people in one car that passed another at a high rate of speed. The passenger in the victim's vehicle. It's being passed like a bat out of you-know-what, made an obscene gesture, and shouted. So somebody in the car that's driving like a maniac pulls out a gun and, and shoots. And two of the guys that are in the car, they are both hit. 
because, you know, this is somebody's driving in an irresponsible fashion. Somebody else makes an obscene gesture, and the response is, let's pull out a gun and let's shoot. The shooting caused a two-hour shutdown of the northbound lanes on I-43 from Fond du Lac to Locust Street during rush hour. You might remember this. If you were caught in this, it was a stone-cold mess. What I thought was interesting is Sheriff Richard Smith came out and he talked about this. This is what he said. He said, quote, the aggressive, narcissistic, it's all about me attitude of gun carrying, ruthless criminal thugs endangers all people. What have we learned from this shooting? Well, under no circumstance should any driver or passenger engage someone in another who cut them off or drive inappropriately. You place yourself in grave danger of people who may be armed and ready to shoot you. So in other words, the sheriff's message is, let me cut through this. We've got a bunch of armed lunatics who are driving recklessly throughout Milwaukee County. If you make an obscene gesture, confront them, call them out in any fashion, There's a decent chance that you're going to end up in an emergency room or in a morgue. So just don't do it. Just kind of let them go by, which, by the way, is probably good advice. Forget probably. I think that's that's good advice because nothing is worth getting shot. But there is a larger issue here. And that larger issue is you've got a bunch of gun toting maniacs that are driving apparently on the freeway that are willing to shoot somebody because when they pass you at 90 miles an hour, if you give them a dirty look, they'll pull out a gun and start firing, which raises the bigger question of what the heck is going on. And the larger question of, you know, are the freeways safe? And is this a situation where people need to start rethinking travel choices? Again, I don't fault the advice of the sheriff. It's good advice. Somebody passes you at 90 miles an hour. Don't, don't look at them sideways because they might shoot you. All right. That, that's, that's good advice. But what does it say about this area that that's, that's what we have to tell you? If you're driving through Milwaukee County, you are taking your life in your hands because of, in the words of the sheriff, the aggressive, narcissistic, it's all about me attitude of gun carrying, ruthless criminal thugs. All right. Is stuff like this causing you to rethink how you drive, where you drive, whether you go through Milwaukee County? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We pick it up right there. All right. Are you, as, as we go into the Thanksgiving weekend, are you, in fact, worried that you could be like what happened to me the other day? You're driving just fine, and the car passes you at 85 miles an hour and cuts you off. You've got the reckless people, but you don't want to say anything about it because they might come back and shoot you. 1219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Troy in Wauwatosa. Hi, Troy. Hey, good afternoon and uh, early, early happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. <laughs> Same to you, sir. Hey, you know, I guess when I, I drive Uber and I'm a real estate appraiser and I cover about 10 counties, in uh, southeast Wisconsin, and, you know, I see this every day, people speeding, people cutting people off, not wanting to let them merge. But the problem is I don't see enough sheriffs out there, and particularly I don't see the state police out there. When I go to Madison, I see the state police there all over the place, all over the freeway. But then when you're here in Milwaukee County, you see the sheriffs sitting in the city pulling people over. Why are they not on the freeway? Let the municipalities control the municipalities. And the state and the sheriffs control the freeways. I think 
if they were out there more, because I see it every day. Yeah. So I'm like, where are they at? How, how are they not pulling people over? So, you know, I think that is a problem that they're doing other things that they need to, and they need to control the freeways of our county. You know, and I try it. By the way, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And on, on occasions when the sheriff's department has rolled out their, their saturation patrols, whether they're looking for drunk drivers or whatever, I, I've always applauded it. And, and I think, that's a very, very fair comment because you say to the sheriff, look, I, I understand your advice is right. Somebody passes you at 90 miles an hour and cuts you off. You are probably nowadays, especially around here, taking your life in your own hands because that person might be toting a gun and they might be willing to shoot at you, as happened last Friday. So, you know, don't make that obscene gesture. But at the same time, along with that comes, I think, and you need a commitment from law enforcement to say, all right, you know, we're those of us who are driving responsibly. We're not the sheep. We're we're the ones. You know, we're doing everything okay. Why aren't you making these arrests? And when you see that car that's driving eighty-five miles an hour or ninety miles an hour and weaving in and out of traffic, you know, pull pull them over. Here's a note, Jeff. This happened to me on ninety-four northbound at Lincoln. The Milwaukee County sheriffs and police were awesome in stopping the perpetrator on the high-rise bridge. They found the gun he wielded. Um, this is apparently pointing the gun or shooting, and arrested him. His ninety-year-old grandmother was also in the car. It was insane. For one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Corey in Milwaukee. Corey, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. All right, this thing that happened Friday is this just a a one off, or is the sheriff right that this stuff is going on all the time? The sheriff is most definitely correct. He's right. It's happening all the time. Um, and and why? And do you, do you see this a lot? Yeah, I, I drive. Uh, uh, transportation and I, I transport parts all the time uh, to like Madison, Beloit, Portage, all over Wisconsin. And um, I'm on the highway as we speak now, and I normally don't speak on the phone, but I heard this topic and I had to call in on it. And um, I actually, you know, for like three years that I've, I've sent down to Mayor Tom Baird, I've met with Alderman uh, 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 Bob Donovan mm-hmm. at City Hall, and I also sent letters out to Alderman uh, Ashanti. On this subject here, uh, I have a proposal wrote up that can ha- have stiffer crimes for these criminals, not just the gun shootings, the, the reckless driving, right. uh, the shootings and, and uh, the carjackings and all that. And I just want somebody needs to sit down and um, get a chance to go over this proposal I have, and, and maybe it could save some lives in Milwaukee because it's, it's just it's pathetic now. Well, it, it is. No, I mean, thanks to call, Corey, and th- I mean, thanks for caring. But, I mean, th- this is... The situation, look, I, I mean, I understand you're, you're driving on the freeway and somebody passes you at 85 miles an hour and cuts you off. I understand the reaction and the temptation is to want to make that obscene gesture. But the sheriff is exactly right and, and because there are so many just crazy people that are out there that have the impulse control of the fruit fly. And as the sheriff describes, ruthless criminal thugs with an aggressive, narcissistic, all about me attitude. Well, I. I, so the sheriff's advice is right, but my response is, what are those people doing on the roads? Let's get them off the roads. Let's get aggressive law enforcement. Let's pull these people over. You find these people that are driving 75, 80, 90 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic. My guess, a lot of those stops is going to lead to the seizures of illegal firearms or people who are having have firearms who aren't allowed to legally carry them. But let's... Let's deal with the underlying problem, which isn't people making obscene gestures to the crazy drivers, even though they shouldn't do that, but rather it's the crazy drivers in the first place. 
Jake in Milwaukee. Jake, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey. Hi, Jake. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. Yes, to you also. So, I was on my way home from work about three years ago, on April 20th, and I didn't let a vehicle in front of me, and they chased me down and shot me. They shot you? Yes, they shot at me multiple times, and I got struck in my shoulder. <laughs> wow. Did, did they, I mean, what had, did they ever catch the people who did it? Well, that's the funny thing about it. They they arrested the registered owner of the vehicle. I figured it would be a stolen car. Right. But seeing how I never seen anybody's face, they were not able to prosecute. All right. So you got the license, you, you got the license number or you described it, but you didn't see who yep. was shooting at you. So it's like, well, we can't prove who was in the car at the time. Exactly. And the crazy thing is that there was a squad car right across the street from where it happened on 76th and Capitol, basically, is where it ended. And, yeah, he even seen it. Right. But, but they didn't see the people actually in the car. Right. Wonderful. Now, thanks for call, Jake. Great. Glad. I mean, but th- this is this is going on. And, and here's the reality. It is getting worse. Now, I understand that we have a new sheriff coming into town. I, I think that that's great. But one of the things, and maybe if you want to criticize David Clark, maybe it's fair to say that he took his eye off the ball on certain things, but I think this is a priority. It's one of the things that the county sheriffs are charged with doing. And I agree with our first caller, Troy. I think you need, whether it's bringing the state police in, the state patrol in to help out, and, you know, saturation patrols, but, you know, you, you got to get control over what is going on because we all see it. And people, people are going to get shot. More and more people are going to get shot unless and until we get a handle on this. And look, let's face it. If you're trying to encourage people, Chris Abley and Tom Barrett, to come into Milwaukee County or to drive through Milwaukee County or go downtown, you know, this idea that, gee, you could get passed by somebody at 80 miles an hour who might start shooting at you, that's not exactly something you put up for the Chamber of Commerce. Just saying. It's 1229. It's 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Broadway's brightest light in Wicked, and in the NBC series Smash, she's Megan Hilty, and she joins the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. From the biggest Broadway showstoppers to poignant, beautiful ballads, we're going to give you a chance to see an evening with Megan Hilty and the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. It is a week from tonight, November 28th. During the 1 o'clock hour of this afternoon's show, I will give away a pair of tickets. So be listening during the 1 o'clock hour for a pair of tickets to see Megan Hilty join the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. Should be a lot of fun. All right. A little bit bleary-eyed because last night, and I, I'm a news junkie and I'm a history junkie, and, and I got I got drawn in to a really amazing documentary. And if you are looking for something to binge on, over the course of the next couple of days, and you are again, you're you're a history junkie. You gotta see this thing that that they have out on A and E, um, and and it's it's available. It's it's on demand now. So if you got one of the again, if you have got the pay TV services or whatever, you you can link it. It's called the Clinton Affair, and I, I talked about this a week or two ago when they first announced it because it, it's a six hour documentary that this. Next month, December, uh, December is the 20th anniversary of the Clinton impeachment. And this, it's a documentary about everything that went on leading up to, to the impeachment of Bill Clinton, at least. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just fascinating because 
even though the Clintons didn't cooperate in it, you had all these other players back, you know, from 20 years ago who, who did, in fact, cooperate. And it, I, I had it on last night. I just kind of, I was channel surfing, looking for something to watch, and we started watching it, and my wife got fascinated with it, and I got fascinated with it, and I, I probably ended up watching three of these six hours. But it's really an incredible documentary. But but here is what is so interesting. All the attention is being given to Monica Lewinsky because Monica Lewinsky, who, of course, was at the time the intern um, who had the affair with with President Clinton. And, you know, you, you she's still talking about this and you just you hear her discussing it. And it's just kind of pretty clear just how. I don't know how out of touch with reality she was, but she's, she's talking about how gee, she thought they were in love and she thought he was going to leave Hillary and all this kind of stuff as they had these meetings. And, and it was really, it was one of those things that even, you know, 20 some years later, you, you feel kind of bad because she clearly, you know, in, in her early to mid twenties didn't understand, you know, what her purpose was in the Bill Clinton sphere of things. And, but, but that's, that's interesting. You know, she's talking about this and, and the documentary kind of makes her a sympathetic figure and it makes Linda Tripp, the person who kind of blew the whistle on this. It, it again, it, it makes, it paints her in a, in a poor light. But the most fascinating aspect of, of this to me, and it shows pretty clearly why when Democrats were running in 2018, Nobody wanted anything to do with Bill Clinton because it shows how this changed because this documentary, and it's one of the first times I've seen this, it reaches out to a number of the other women who said at various points in time how they were sexually harassed slash assaulted by Bill Clinton. And, you know, it, it, it has lengthy interviews with, with Paula Jones, for example. It has Juanita Broderick. Um, and then that goes back to, you know, the days in Arkansas. Kathleen Willey, who was, uh, the, the, at the time, the, the wife of, you know, a big Democratic contributor. And she was working in the White House. And, and it brings all these women back. And it, and they're telling their stories. And what's also interesting is they are showing the reaction that a lot of these supposedly liberal men had, like the James Carvels of the world. James Carvel, who, of course, you know, looked at Paula Jones, who was an Arkansas employee at the time she says that she was harassed and assaulted by Bill Clinton. You know, and Carvel's line is, well, you know, she's just she's just trash. I mean, you just, you know, you drag a $100 bill through a trailer park, and what do you think you're going to get? All right, th- this, is, this is the way these women were treated 20 years ago. And it, it's the way the, the supposedly progressive left and all the defenders of Bill Clinton decided that they were going to go after all these different women. And it's interesting because a number of the women are saying, well, yeah, we, we were, you know, people said, well, you're just being used by these right wing outlets. And they're saying, well, part of the problem is nobody in the mainstream media wanted to hear our stories. Nobody wanted to tell the stories. The, the only people that we could find that would air these various stories of, you know, all the different things that happened, you know, and that Bill Clinton did to us or whatever, you know, we, we had to go to some of these right-wing sources to get this story out. It really, it's worth watching if you're, regardless of, of how you felt about Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton comes through as a as an extremely successful president on one level, but extremely flawed, just an extremely flawed human being, which I think is kind of a a very fair thing. But there's no question that you look at the way 
some of the people like the James Carvels, George Stephanopoulos, who was, you know, one of the, you know, worked for the Clintons at the time, the, their reaction to these women coming forward. And then you flash forward, you know, 20 years and, and now how that has changed and how that has all evolved. In any event, you can draw your own conclusions, but I highly recommend this. And again, if you, it's been 20 years and in some respects, it seems like a lot longer than 20 years. In some respects, it seems like it was just yesterday. But as I say, a lot of the, the attention is Monica Lewinsky, who's you know telling her story and things like that. But to me, the actually even more interesting thing is some of these other women who really were, were portrayed as kind of like cartoon characters talking about all their different interactions with, with Bill Clinton. And the bottom line is... Bill Clinton does not come off looking great. Like I say, he comes off as comes off as probably a successful president and just this this great magnetic figure, but an extremely flawed figure as well. But it's fascinating. So if you're looking for something to binge on and you are a history junkie, I highly recommend. It's called the Clinton Affair. It's on A and E, and you're going to see, I, I think, a different portrayal than you might be used to of some of the women who were at the center of the various allegations against Bill Clinton. So highly recommended if you're looking for something to spend six hours doing over the next three or four days, uh, Clinton Affair on A&E. All right, when we come back, there is a Senate election next week. It is in Mississippi. It has gotten ugly. My question is, has some of the arguments, have they been fair? Stick around. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, there is still one U.S. Senate seat to be decided. Right now, Republicans hold 52 seats. They picked up one um, since the, as a result of the midterms. They hold 52 seats. The Democrats or between, like, the progressives or socialists or whatever Bernie Sanders is, they, they hold 47. There's one seat still to be decided. That is in Mississippi. Mississippi, on Election Day, does something that's different from what most states do. It holds what is known as a jungle primary. That is what it is called. And, for example, in Wisconsin, you have a primary election in August that decides, okay, who the Republican candidate is going to be, who the Democrat candidate is going to be. That's not how they do it in Mississippi. In Mississippi, on Election Day, all that would be like early November, all the candidates who get enough signatures go on the ballot. You put them all together, and all the Republicans run, all the Democrats run, independents, whatever. And what happens is if one candidate gets 50% plus one of the vote, they are elected. If they don't, if no candidate gets 50% of the vote plus one, what happens is the top two finishers have a runoff. That runoff is going to be on Tuesday, the 27th. Well, what happened was there were a couple prominent Republican candidates that, that ran. The top vote getter was a Republican who is the incumbent senator appointed by President Trump, uh, appointed by the governor, but, a, but a, supported by President Trump, uh, Cindy Hyde Smith. And she got 41 percent of the vote. Mike Espy, who used to be the secretary of agriculture under President Obama, he ran as a Democrat. And he was he was the only prominent Democrat that ran. He got 40.6 percent of the vote. A third candidate who was a Republican ran and got 16.5 percent of the vote. So the two Republican candidates got a total of 58 percent of the vote. The Democrat got 40 percent. So 
assuming that the Republican votes that went to the guy that ran third go to the Republican, this should not be a close race. That, that's that, that's at least conventional thinking. Plus, it's it's Mississippi. It should be a heavily Republican state. There has been an issue during the campaign, and, and we discussed this when it first happened a couple weeks ago. Um, the Republican senator, she's in Tupelo, Mississippi, and her name is Cindy Hyde-Smith, and she is she's doing a small event with a guy named Colin Hutchinson, who is a longtime friend of her, friend of hers, and he's a cattle rancher. And he's talking about what a great person she is, et cetera, et cetera, and how they've liked each other for so long. And she comes out and she she says to this small gathering that, hey, um, you know, we've been friends for a long time. We go back a long way. I'd do anything for him. And then she says, if he invited me to a public hanging, I'd be on the front row. All right, that that's what she says. Now, when this first happened, I, I my my reaction was, I think it's an odd choice of words, but I I'm not from Mississippi. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is a saying or something like that. Um, if they invited me to a public hanging, I'd be on the front row. All right, I, I think it was an odd choice of words, but n- nothing more than that. Well, her opponent, who uh, again happens to be African American, in addition to the, being a Democrat. Understandably, he's running behind. He seizes on this and says, oh, this is terrible. I, I can't believe that somebody would say something like this with the his, with the history that Mississippi has of lynchings or things like that. How, how could she possibly say that she'd, you know, go to a public hanging? And I'm looking at a story now that appeared in the Washington Post. This is the headline. Walmart wants campaign donation back from Senator Hyde Smith after her support of public hangings. All right, th- that's the headline in the Washington Post. Here's this Republican Senate candidate who has indicated she supports public hangings. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I, I guess I have two things to say. As I, as I acknowledge, I think this is a peculiar reference. There's all sorts of things that she could have, have said to have conveyed the same thing she was trying to say, as in anything this guy wants me to do, I'm going to do. He's a close friend. You know, I'll, I'll go anywhere he wants. All right. That the public hanging reference was, I think, odd. However, having said that, to play the race card, is this really an example of, gee, this means that she must be racist because she's supporting lynchings or things like that? Or as the headline in the Washington Post says, is this comment really her supporting public hangings, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Guess I just look at this, and th- these are the things that make me want to scream, because I understand that when you look at politics today, there, there's real divisions, and, and there's all sorts of different approaches as to how the country should be run and what we should do with taxes and what we should do with immigration and all these different types of things. But I look at this issue, and this has become a national issue now, All right. She said that, gee, she'd go if he invited me to a public hanging, I'd be on the front row. Is that is that a racist statement? Is that anything that a reasonable person outside a headline writer for The Washington Post would really interpret as being support for public hangings for what? Or is this just a contrived issue in an effort to try to gain some sort of political advantage. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1252, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, I, I, I understand that there's all sorts of real issues that are out there, but I have been watching just with, with, with just amazement at what is going on in Mississippi. There's a race to decide who the final U.S. senator is going to be. It, it, the Republican is an overwhelming favorite, except this is the issue. A couple of weeks ago, she comes out and she says, She's talking about one of her supporters. She says, I, I really love this guy. Um, if he invited me to a public hanging, I'd be on the front row. And, and so now now the stories are, gee, she's she's supporting public hangings or, you know, she's incredibly racist. And she's saying, look, I mean, there's no ill will. I, this was this is just an exaggerated statement of of regard. Here's a text, Jeff. This is why we call it fake news. That headline in The Washington Post the one that says that she's in trouble for her support of public hangings. That headline dances around a true topic, but spins it in a completely dishonest way. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think that that's, there's no way that anybody, I think, could reasonably interpret this woman's remarks as being an endorsement of public hangings for the love of God. Sue in Milwaukee. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Um, I would just like to say that it might be a euphemism or just some kind of a, an old statement that they say, like a loyalty statement to someone. Because I remember, you know, there were things that we, I would never say today, but when I was a kid, my dad was building a house and we would go over with him and it was like, okay, be careful. Be be careful. I don't want to have to hit the dump button the day before Thanksgiving. So, so don't say anything that's going to get me in trouble. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But, but I, but I understand what you're saying is there's all sorts of things that you're, you know, you used to hear that. Yeah. And I, I get it. And I mean, I look, it was just a saying, and I mean, we never repeated it because that's not what we were taught. Right. But this guy just had this saying that he used when he was sweating, you know? Well, right. Okay, got it. Right. Yeah, okay, thanks. Right. It's it's one of those type, whatever that could be, it's one of those. Melissa Barkley sitting here saying, I wonder what that was. No, no, we're not going down that route. But no, no, but I, I guess, see, I again, I, I'm not from Mississippi. I have been to Tupelo, Mississippi, where this happened, but I, I, I don't know. Is this some sort of archaic thing? She was saying, look, there, this isn't a support for public hangings or a call to bring them back, and it's sure, certainly not a support for lynching. It's just, hey, I love this particular guy, and I, I if, if he invited me to this unpleasant event, I'd go there because I, I, I like him. All right. Now, again, maybe you can criticize her for the analogy or the reference or whatever, but that, that's fine. You take it this next step and say, oh, she must be racist or um, she's supporting public hangings. And, and this is, I think, one of the things that drives a lot of us nuts. And you see it from the left and you see it from the right as well, where you try to create issues and manufacture issues where no significant issue exists. Will this derail her candidacy? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's been a fundraising boom for his, her opponent because now this is going national. And again, you've got all this money that's pouring into the race. My guess is she still wins, maybe by not as much as she would have otherwise. But we'll know on Tuesday. But seriously, the headline, um, you know, Walmart campaign wants donations back after her support of public hangings. Give me a break. All right. We got lots coming up on today's show. Don't go anywhere. 1259, Jeff Wagner. It's 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. 
So we take you into your Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, a, a quick note. Um, next week, a week from today, I, it, it's a charity event. That, it's a charity that's very near and dear to my heart. Boys and Girls Club of Washington County. Matter of fact, I have a couple friends who sponsor a couple of the Boys and Girls Clubs. This is something, um, this will be the second year that I've done it. My wife has been affiliated with for more. But it's, it's Taste of Washington County. And it's from 6 to 10 o'clock at the Washington County Fairgrounds. I'm going to be out there. What happens is a number of restaurants from Washington County in, in general and West Bend in particular get together and they, they serve food and it's I think the tickets are 45 bucks and there's silent auctions and it's all the food you can eat and stuff like that and um, I'm going to be serving ribs so that's it I'm going to I'm going to be working I, I I don't serve food very often but I will be serving food uh, next Wednesday night so it's a taste of Washington County it is a uh, it, it's just a wonderful event and like I say my my wife drafted me into doing it but I'm very very pleased to do this all right this is a story that I, I was going to talk talk about Monday and I, I just didn't get around to it and I'm glad I didn't because now it's actually gotten a lot more interesting let me just say over the the years there has been sort of a sea change when it comes to breastfeeding in public and I understand that there's lots and lots of women who are extremely militant about hey you know this is a natural sort of thing and you know in the past we would, you know, if we had to breastfeed, we'd be told that we had to go sit in filthy restrooms, et cetera, et cetera, and, and we don't want to do that. And so as a result of that, you've had a number of, of legislatures that have passed laws that pretty much give women an absolute right to breastfeed wherever they want, whenever they want. And that that's really the, the state of things now. Having said that, there are still some people, and, and maybe it's their hang-up, whatever, there are some people who... Don't react well to that for for whatever reasons. All right. Now I don't happen to be one of them. I don't, I don't care. This is kind of a you know live and let live sort of thing. And most of most of the times that I have seen this in public, the women who are are breastfeeding in public are, are very they're, they're trying to be circumspect. I mean, most people, you know, even though it's a natural sort of thing or whatever, you don't want to be sitting in the restaurant, you know, doing this. So most people I know they kind of cover up and do things like that. All right. So that's the background. Here here is the story. It happens in. A Texas Roadhouse restaurant in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, Kentucky is one of those states which has a law which allows women to breastfeed in public. Right? The law says that no person shall interfere with a mother breastfeeding her child in any location, public or private, where the mother is otherwise authorized to be. So the law protects this. All right. So now it's this Texas Roadhouse. And apparently what happens is there is a mom who is sitting in the the middle of the restaurant a few weeks ago. She's got a seven-week-old daughter. And apparently what happens is she starts breastfeeding the daughter, her seven-month-old daughter, seven-week-old daughter, week-old daughter, in in the middle of of the restaurant, you know, at, at the table. And apparently she is doing it in such a fashion that she's really not covering herself up, right? Not not covering herself up. And a number of other patrons are watching this, and they complain to the restaurant manager. They say, this woman, look what she's doing. You know, it, it bothers us. All right. The restaurant manager. Now, Kentucky has a law that says you, you can do this whenever you want, wherever you want. The manager 
And the guy's apparently been working there for like 20 years. The manager comes up to the, the table and he says, ma'am, we, we've had patrons that are complaining uh, about this. You know, here, here's a here's a napkin. Could could you cover up? Could you cover it up? At which point in time, the, the lady gets indignant. She says, I told him it's against the law for him to ask me to cover up and that I'm within my rights to, you know, to do this. And she says, at that point in time, the guy, the manager gets upset about this. And he says, look, I mean, I've got these other complaining matrons that are there. He said, I, I've got these other patrons that, that are here. I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong, but I'd really appreciate you. I appreciate you covering up. Um, ultimately, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't. She goes ahead and finishes breastfeeding the, the child. She then goes public, you know, tells her story on Facebook and on Twitter or whatever. The restaurant, Texas Roadhouse, publicly apologizes to her. And they say, um, you know, the the manager here, we're not going to fire him, but, you know, he has been, he, he's, he's taking some paid time off. And, and we're sorry that this happened. We understand what your rights were. You know, he had patrons that were complaining. He was trying to balance these things out. But we understand that's that's what the law is, and, and he was wrong. All right. Now, that that's that's what happened up until a day or two ago. The follow-up to this story is this mother has now filed a lawsuit. She is suing Texas Roadhouse, alleging extreme and severe emotional distress after the restaurant employee, in this case, I think the guy was the manager, tried to, you know, give her a napkin to cover up her child's face while she was breastfeeding. And she says, you know, hey, he he put this, he, he gave he put this you know napkin on you know over me and over her and this was terrible et cetera et cetera um and and I'm just offended and I've suffered severe emotional distress as a result of this all right four one four seven nine nine one six twenty that is the accurate mortgage talk and text line the law gives this lady a right to do this now and the law doesn't say she has to cover up or anything. You've got the restaurant manager who apparently was confronted with patrons who were complaining to him about this lady doing it in the middle of of the restaurant. And he went up to her and he asked her to cover up. All right. That, I think, probably is a violation of of the law. He should have said, sorry, the law protects this. The lady said, hey, the law protects this. Go away. And the guy, there was a little bit of a discussion, but she ended up breastfeeding her child. Here's what I think is interesting about this. She has now filed a lawsuit, again, seeking damages for extreme and severe emotional distress as a result of this contact. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it possible that, that maybe both sides could, in fact, be wrong here? The woman had a right to breastfeed in public. Apparently, the way she was doing this, and she wasn't shy about it, was causing other patrons to complain. The manager confronted her about it, but ultimately, I mean, they didn't stop her from breastfeeding or anything. Is this the stuff that lawsuits are made out of? Should the manager have been fired? Texas Roadhouse, like I say, apparently hasn't fired him. They've said, all right, we're sorry. He was wrong. Didn't handle this right. He's been a 20-year employee, and, you know, he's, he's taking some paid time off. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should the manager have been fired? 
Does the woman have a case? Is this one where you have millions of dollars of damages? Or should an apology suffice? I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in a minute. But what do you think? It's 116. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So here you have the situation. Kentucky law says women can breastfeed anywhere they want, anytime they want. Woman is sitting in the middle of a Texas Roadhouse restaurant. You know, it's a chain. My understanding is she's not being particularly discreet about the fact that she's breastfeeding her seven-month-old, seven-week-old child. All right, that's fine. Number of patrons complain to the manager. The manager goes and says, ma'am, can can you cover up? Here's a napkin. She becomes, she's unhappy. She says, I, I have a right to do this anywhere. How dare you ask me to to cover up, etc." He says, well, I've got these people that are complaining. She says, I have no obligation to do this. All right, so she continues to do this. She then files a complaint. Texas Roadhouse apologizes. They say, oh, we understand what the law says. They don't fire the manager. They say we're going to let him go off on paid leave. The lady has now turned around and filed a lawsuit against the manager and against Texas Roadhouse, saying that this caused her severe, extreme and severe emotional distress. All right, 414-799-1620. Let's start with Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're first. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Steve. Hey, I, I don't think he should have been, he or she, whoever the manager was, should have been fired. I mean, yeah, granted, they, there's a, such a thing as having rights, and then also the proper decorum. And, you know, the people that are eating there have rights, too, not to be disturbed by that. And there's no reason that, you know, she shouldn't cover up. I was telling your screener, a couple of years ago, I was flying back on business and got on a small regional jet with, you know, the two seats on each side and they're pretty small and close together. Mm-hmm. I go to sit down and there's a woman breastfeeding her baby with, you know, both of the twins just hanging out there. And you know, that was really uncomfortable sitting there for, you know, an hour and a half late. Which was, well, I have nothing against breastfeeding. My wife breastfeeds all three of our kids, but. There's a certain sense of decorum, you know. Well, I mean, th- I mean, it's, it's, it's most of the women who I know who who breastfeed would, would do they, they would do it. They would be a very discreet thing, and then that's typically how this happens. I in, in this particular case, I don't get the idea that the woman is being particularly discreet because lots of people were seeing her. But nevertheless, the law protects her ability to do that. So the manager was wrong to confront her about this. I, I think that's that's just the reality because the law says she has a right to do this. And I, I and, and even if people were complaining, I think the manager's response should have been to say, I'm sorry, the law protects this. And, you know, if it's bothering you, you want me to move you to another table or something like that. That's how I think it should have been handled. So I think he was wrong to confront her. Having said all that, all right, Texas Roadhouse has apologized to her. Um, they've issued the apology. Does the manager need to be fired? Is this really the basis of a lawsuit? I mean, this is severe emotional distress. Okay, that's where I have the problem. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in New Berlin. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hey, happy early Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. Hi, uh, just wanted to let you know that um, I'm a huge proponent of breastfeeding. My 25-year-old daughter raised two little ones, my grandkids, and she always breastfed them, whatever. She always made sure that, you know, she had a little baby blanket over her or whatever, right. but she never shied away from doing it. And I was fine with this up until where you said the severe emotional distress. Right. And that's what really got me. This um, is kind of like 
I, I don't want to say humorous or amusing, but it's almost as ridiculous as if nothing happened, but the opposite of the story, where we heard that these other patrons filed a lawsuit saying they were caused emotional distress by having to witness somebody breastfeed. Right. right. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's a natural thing. The baby was hungry. The baby wanted dinner. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she should have maybe taken a little bit more care, like you said, but distress, I, I don't go there, and I think that, um, like I said, my daughter who belongs to uh, groups, you know, that sure. advocate for breastfeeding, she would agree to. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's the emotional distress. Right. I mean, thanks, and I think it's, thanks, I mean, see, I think she has every right to remind the manager of what the law says in Kentucky, that she's entitled to, to do this anywhere, anyhow, and and I think, because I think the manager was wrong. I mean, I think the manager should have handled this differently. Like I say, maybe if you've got other patrons that are offended by this, offering to move them, whatever. I mean, I, I think that's the way you should have handled it. So, so fine, I'm willing to accept that the manager was wrong, but I'm with you. When I hear this, we're now filing this lawsuit you know, severe and extreme emotional distress because he asked her to cover up. Come on. I mean, really? It's to me, this is one of those things. Texas Roadhouse apologized to her. You you give her you you give her a gift certificate for 50 bucks off the next time they come in. And to me, that's the end of the conversation. Let's talk to Sally in Milwaukee. Sally, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I was listening and I don't think that the manager should lose any time from his job. And I don't think that the roadhouse should be sued because she feels it's causing her less distress. Come mm-hmm. on now. Well, well, I just don't. I can't ag- agree with that. Right. You see, and, that, and that's manager, my point. Right. And the manager offered the, the uh, people, what, another seat. But it's not causing her no distress. To me, this is a way of her getting money. Yeah. I guess that's, I mean, okay. thanks for calling. I see, I'm with, thanks for calling. See, that's what it kind of strikes me at. I, I, did the manager mishandle it given what the law is in Kentucky? Yeah, I, I think, I think he did. But I mean, a, a lawsuit alleging, you know, emotional, dis- extreme and severe emotional distress as a result of this. Here's a text, Jeff. As a mom who currently is breastfeeding, I agree the manager was completely wrong to try to cover her. However, the mom is also trying to make some money off this and taking it way too far with the lawsuit. I guess that's how I see this as well. Robin in Madison. Robin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Robin. Um, I would like to know what the definition of harassment is. I mean, are we not even allowed to talk to breastfeeding mothers now? You know, if the manager had come up to her and said, you know, ma'am, we've had several people comment on the fact that you're breastfeeding. Is there any way you could cover up a little bit? Is that harassment? He's just asking her a polite question. And, you know, I get that some babies won't feed with their head covers and heads right. and things like that, but it just seems like she's totally overreacting, and the manager maybe didn't handle it as well as he could have, but this lawsuit is just... Right. I mean, the manager didn't throw her out. I mean, she's saying, hey, I'm being shamed. I guess she feels like she was shamed by this or whatever, but, I mean, she's you know she went public with this, and obviously is getting a ton of support, and Texas Roadhouse is getting a... And I, I, I was with it up to a point, because the manager had mishandled this until I saw that now she's turned around and filed a lawsuit, But because I'm thinking... Okay, extreme and severe emotional distress. Come on, <laughs> you know, come on. That's just a money grab, I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, thanks to call. I mean, I, I, that's the way that kind of struck me as well, without endorsing what the manager did. Barb in Waukesha. Hi, Barb. You're on WTMJ. 
Oh, hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think that the manager should not be fired. Um, you know, in this day and age, people just don't look at it. You yeah. Know, don't look. That's all, that's all that I really have to say. Yeah, I, mean, no. I was the breastfeeding mom. I was discreet. I covered up. But, you know, that was 28 years ago. Now you're going to see it more everywhere. Just forget about it. Just eat your meal and don't look. Right. <laughs> thanks for and, and I and I thanks for, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I, again, I, that's why I started this conversation off by saying, first of all, most of most of the people I know who breastfeed, they they I mean, the last thing they wanted to be doing is is, is you know, it's a perfectly natural thing. I get all that, but the last thing, at least many of my female friends who breastfed wanted to be doing, is sitting at a table in the middle of the restaurant. You know, doing that perfectly natural, whatever. So they'd always cover up. They were very discreet. I can remember one friend of mine that you couldn't even tell what it was necessarily that she was doing. I don't have a hang up about that at all. And so I, I'm with you on this. I just think that, you know, carrying it to the next step and saying, okay, he, the manager comes in, he talks to her about this, and oh, this is severe emotional distress. Give me dough. That's where I draw the line. It's 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It might be Craig Council and David Stearns, Mike Budenholzer, or something completely different. What are you thankful for in sports this holiday season? Greg Matzik shares his list and takes your thoughts this evening. Tune in, 607 on Sports Central. All right. My friend Melissa says she rarely carries any cash at all. She's got five bucks on her person, and that is that is high. Uh, Gruel, who's producing the show today and always... All right, how much cash do you have with you right now? You have between 15 and $20. All right, is that typical? I mean, is that less, is that more, or is it about normal? You usually carry more, a lot more or a little more? Okay, you usually 50 or 60 bucks. All right, okay. I, 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 carry, I, I carry more than that. Um, I, I, you know, it, it just kind of depends on what I've got going on as to how much more than that. But I, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I, I still, I pay for a lot of stuff with cash, not gasoline, because gasoline, you pull up the pump, you stick the credit card in. But a lot of times when I go out to dinners, now, if it's, if I'm picking up the tab and it's a expensive dinner, it's going to be several hundred bucks or something like that. I'll, I'll pay for it on a card, but in general, I, I pay for things with cash, and I understand you can make an argument that's kind of dumb because I have all these different credit cards where you get points for spending things, and I'm I'm not adverse to using credit, but for a lot of day-to-day stuff, I, I use cash. Last night, uh, my my mission, my lovely wife was making, asked me what I wanted for dinner. I wanted chicken and stuffing, so my, she said, well, we don't have any stuffing, so you have to stop off at the store and pick up the stuffing, so I stopped off at the store. Braved the pre-Thanksgiving crowds in the store, picked up the stuffing, got her some flowers, and uh, picked up a couple other things, and I, I paid for it with, with cash. I mean, you could have charged and all that, but that's I, I pay for stuff with, with cash. That's how I do it. I am bringing this up because there is a fascinating story in the New York Times about how in Europe, in Sweden in particular, the Swedish authorities – have decided that they want to, within the next seven years, they want to eliminate cash altogether. They want to go to a cash, cashless society. And um, they're predicting that, um, again, within that seven-year period, 
they estimate that somewhere between half to three quarters or more of all their retailers are going to stop accepting cash. Um, everybody's going to have cards. You know, everybody's going to have the credit cards or the debit cards. Um, ask most people in Sweden now how often they pay with cash, and the answer is almost never. Uh, a fifth of Swedes don't use automatic, automated teller machines anymore. More than 4,000 Swedes already have microchips implanted in their hands, which allows them to pay for rail, rail travel and food, enter keyless offices with a wave. Restaurants, buses, parking lots, even pay toilets. And if you've been in Europe, you know that there's there, there's really, they've got all these public toilets that generally speaking, gosh, when we were in Austria, it's it's like 50 euro, 50 cents, 50, uh, 50 cent euro. Um to, to use the, the toilets. And, and in Sweden, they're, they're, it's all automatic. You, you've got to have the card. You know, you wave it or whatever. They're, they're moving away from from cash. Now, this is giving some problems to some of the people who are 55 and, and older um, who, you know, are just used to do, dealing with cash. But the Swedish government is saying, hey, this is the wave of the future, and this is what we're moving towards, and this is what a lot of the retailers are moving towards, and they really think that within the next seven years, it might be a cashless society. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk a little bit about cash. Is this, is this the future? Would something like this fly in the United States if all of a sudden retailers, I don't know, I admit you'd have to change the law. I I get that. But we're talking about things in theory. If retailers decided, you know, we're not going to take cash anymore. You know, it's going to be all credit. It's going to be all debit. We're going to move to a cashless society. Would that would that cause you grief? I mean, do you still use cash? Or is this just an anachronism? Is cash going to be going the way of daily newspapers? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, in your personal life, do you carry cash anymore? And I'm convinced that fewer and fewer people do. I I see this, you know, all the time. I was in the grocery store a couple days ago, and there was a lady in front of me who had it was less than $3. It, it, I mean, she had a couple small items. It was less than 3 bucks. I, I, I can't tell you how much. It was somewhere between 2 and $3. It was just a couple items. And, and she didn't pull out $3. She took her debit card or whatever, the credit card, and ran it through and, and used that. And I, I was thinking, I, I mean, it's fine. They take it. I would never do something like that. I mean, it wouldn't occur to me unless something dramatic had happened. And, but I, I would always have 3 bucks in cash. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a minute. It's 142, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. <laughs> Heather and West Bend sends me a text. Jeff, what will we give the panhandlers if cash goes away? Well, no, they'll, they'll probably all have one of those handheld things where you can just swipe them. I, I bring this up because Sweden has made a commitment that they essentially want to be a cashless society within the next seven years. Retailers won't accept cash. You know, you're, it's going to all be by debit card or credit card, or in many cases, people are having microchips. I'm not making this up. They're having microchips implanted so they can just, you know, wave their hand and it'll automatically charge their account. Now, I, I'm, I understand in this regard, I am perhaps, perhaps I'm one of these dinosaurs. I do carry cash and I, I tend to pay for things 
with cash. And, and maybe that's dumb because I'm not getting the credit card points and things like that. But I know, I mean, if I go into a bar and I, I order a beer, I'm going to throw a 5 or a $10 bill or sometimes a $20 bill out, out, out on the bar. That's what I'm going to do. But I more and more people, I see that that's not how they do it. They just, they, they pay for it with plastic. All right. Are, are we ready to go to a cashless society? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mary Jo in Waukesha. Hi, Mary Jo. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. Um, I find that I'm one that I don't carry a lot of cash, and I was telling your screener that uh, uh, the problem arises when I get to uh, someplace that I want to buy something, and they have a $5 limit, and I don't have cash. Right. Did they, if you're going to charge it, it's, it's got to be at least five bucks. Right, right. Right. Exactly. And and with the rates that I guess the retailers are being charged, you know, they they get charged, I guess, a certain percentage every right. time you swipe a plastic. Right. How's that going to work when you want to buy a bottle of water for a dollar and a quarter? Are they going to? Right. Or a cup of coffee for two bucks or, or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I like the credit idea, but um, I still find that I have to carry cash just mm-hmm. for those incidentals that where they don't accept me. Well, okay, let me ask you, let's say that you're uh, okay, let let's say that you're 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 buying a cup of coffee, you're you're and the the, the coffee, you're going to get some fancy coffee, it's going to be 3 bucks or, or whatever. Okay, sure. and and the place you're at accepts what will take the plastic. For for 3 bucks, are you going to charge it or are you going to um, pay cash? Yeah, I'm going to charge it because okay. it's a debit and it's just kind of it's automatic accounting for me, really. Right. Yeah. So okay. I prefer, I prefer it that way. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again. And, and again, I, I this this is kind of the way of the future. See, that's not something that 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 I would do. I, I mean, I would just I I would I would pay cash. That that's why I always carry a bit of cash so that I can can do that type of stuff. Now I'm not talking about thousands and thousands of dollars, but I'm talking about enough to to do that. Enough so that if you're in the grocery store and it's fifty bucks, that you you'd have that that you'd be able to pay. The only thing. At least in kind of like retail face to face things that I, I typically don't pay cash on, like I say, is is gasoline, and that's just because you got the pay at the pump thing. You put the credit card in, and you're all set. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Would it would it cause you heartache if we went to this cashless society? All right, let's talk to uh, let's see Dana in Hales Corners. Hi, Dana. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, ma'am. Okay, what do you think? Are are you are you a credit only or debit only gal? I'm kind in both worlds. Okay. I always got some cash in my wallet, and it's mostly for little tiny purchases. Right. You know, you run through the drive-thru, or you got something that's two bucks, or this time of year you got the people with the Salvation Army kettles out, and you right. some cash to put in there. Right. But I use my credit card to make money. I, I put everything on my credit card. Did you get the points system. and all that stuff? I get 1.5% cash back. I make more money spending money than saving <laughs> money. Right. And, I, and it's so ridiculous, but you do. Right. And I pay off my card at the end of the month in full, and so that's just a game for me. Right, and, right. Uh, but I, I can't not use cash. I, and the idea of having an impl- a chip implanted in my hand is totally <laughs> Yeah, you're, Yeah, I, that, that's the – I'm not quite – well, you know, it's kind of interesting because my, my lovely and charming wife, she – she rarely carries much, if any, cash, and it kind of drives me a little bit nuts because I'm always saying, here, take $20, put it in your purse. Well, I don't need that. And I'd say, take it in case 
in case you're somewhere or something and you need, you know, the credit cards aren't working or whatever, just take it so yeah. you have it, please. I, you know, I, I'm in, in that same place. I, I just, I, there's got to always be a little cash. You just never know. Well, right. Thanks. And I guess that's it. But I mean, but but my wife is is is, is you as well. I mean, she said, you know, I put. Said, I, I'm going to charge pretty much everything that that there is, and I'm like, okay, well, at least have a little bit of cash. Well, where am I going to be that I'm not going to be able to use the credit cards? And I'm like, I don't know, but but here, take this. I will feel better. Here, take just a little bit of money so you have it in case you do need it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Laura in Oconomowoc. Laura, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Interesting discussion, and I thought what was so fascinating is talking about older people and where they whether they would ad- adopt this. Right. My 91-year-old father is cashless. Okay. And the reason he is is because a debit card plus a credit card, he has a full accounting of every single penny that he's spending. And at 91, that's really important to him. Right. So I think there's some key benefits to it that, you know how when you've got a hundred dollar bill in your wallet, you tend to not spend it. But if you have five twenties, it goes out the window very quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, there's no question about it. I guess it. I mean, you're you're right. At the same time, I think there are some people. The flip side is when you, when everything when it's all on plastic, it adds up kind of quickly. Whereas if you have the cash, okay, this is. This is my limit. I, I'm not going to spend more than a hundred dollars or whatever it's going to be. And, and you've got that hundred dollars. You, you can at least see it. Sometimes with credit, it could get away from you too. That is true. Okay, so how do you handle it? Do you do you carry cash? I carry cash only when I'm traveling on business, just okay. to make sure I've got tip money right. for uh, shuttle drivers and so forth. But otherwise, I'm very much a credit card or debit card person. And I agree with the previous caller that I prefer to use somebody else's money for a few days too. <laughs> right. So if you're if you're in that coffee shop and it and it's three bucks or whatever, your chances are you're you're gonna be using your debit or your credit card to pay for it. Unless my husband's with me and he, then he'll pay cash. <laughs> oh so your husband's a cash guy, huh? He's a cash guy, yeah. All right, okay. Maybe so, sounds like we've kind of got the same kind of like <laughs> arrangement. Okay. No, thanks. I get it. it. It is, and I don't. I don't know why, because I I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's and and I I pay the credit cards off in advance as well. I, I mean, I never pay interest or penalties on credit cards. So I mean, it's it's not it's not that, but it's just. I, I don't know. I don't know why, because yeah, you get the points and all, and I, I acknowledge I'm leaving money on the table by not charging the stuff. But that's me. All right, we continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. Sweden is moving to a cashless society, which has got me thinking. You know, how close are we to that in the United States? One fifty-two. Okay, so it's a whole cash system thing that you were talking about. Right. Okay. So my mom years ago, when I turned eighteen, she got me on the um, Dave Ramsey system. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. Okay. What it is, is you cash your checks, um, your payroll, your social security, whatever you have, and you divvy it up into separate envelopes, hence the envelope system. Okay. So what you do is I know that I spend $75 a month in gas. So I put $75, I put $75 in that envelope. And then I know I spend... $120 a month or whatever on groceries, so I put that in, the, in mm-hmm. the grocery envelope. And I've used cash since I was 18. I'm 27, so I've done it nine years. And I have more of a savings than any of my friends, any of my family who are even older than me, and they think I'm crazy. 
<laughs> but but no, but but for you, it it helps. I mean, you you have I'm th- th- is the way you do it that stops you from going over your budget. It, well, essentially, exactly, yeah. because if you if I don't have it in that envelope, I can't like I can't go over that. There's nothing left. So it like right. You can't you can't like oh well I'll I'll pay this off later and you have to put it on the credit card and then you forget that you put it on the credit card you get your monthly bill and you're like. Holy crap! Like, where that come from? Okay, well, I got to. I mean, I'm kind of curious how that works. Let's say, all right, what, what's today? Today's like the the 21st of November or something like this. Yeah. You, you've put you've put your seventy five dollars a month in for gas, and, and maybe you've had some extra driving you've had to do. So your car's got an eighth of a tank of gas. You know, you you need to fill it up, but you've spent your seventy five bucks. What, what do you do? You can. It's like okay. So like, what I'll do is I'll pull it out of. You know the grocery, the grocery okay. envelope, and I'll say, okay, I pull an extra twenty bucks out of the grocery envelope, but now that downs my grocery, my grocery limit. Okay, got it. So but so it's I your way. Instead of one hundred twenty, I only have a hundred. But luckily, you know, I get paid every other week, so I kind of, right. okay. I can. And the fun thing is, is with it, you can totally change it every month. It doesn't have to be exactly. Sure. The same every month, you can change it. Sure, but you're 27 years old, and you, yeah. you're it's it's cash. Cash is yeah. king for you. Interesting. My, well, yep. My husband and I are both strictly cash. We, if it's not in that envelope, he'll even come to me and say, "Oh, hey, honey, you know, do we have extra in the the restaurant envelope? Can we go out on a date night?" Yeah, there's just stuff that we can handle that. <laughs> Out outstanding. Well, Kendall, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, thank you. You too. Absolutely. See, all right. See, and, and I mean, I, I understand. See, I, that's for me. It's not a budgeting thing. For me, it's just kind of it's a kind of convenience thing that I end up using cash. Let's talk to let's see, Jim in Beloit. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi, Jim. For my call. Thanks for calling. Thanks for waiting. But this won't work because. Um, I'm part owner of an emergency management consulting firm, mm-hmm. and I travel all over the country. And when you have a major disaster, which we've had plenty of in the last sure. couple of years, is once you lose power, those cards don't work. Right, right. So that I mean that's if if you had a prolonged situation like the, the wildfires that are going on now in Northern California right. or Southern California, it would rest. No, thanks for I'm sorry. I wish we had a little more time. We're kind of up against the clock on this. I. That is, I think, it is a valid concern that Jim raises. I mean, what happens? But you know, interestingly, now, you know, what ends up happening a lot of times because we're so dependent on the computers. I mean, how many times have you been to like a restaurant or, or something, and they say the computer's down, and it doesn't matter whether it's credit cards or cash, they're they're not able to process anything. So it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not ready for this point, and I don't think the U.S. is ready for it. But get ready because this is—I mean, it's starting. It's starting in a couple European countries, and uh, if it takes hold there, it might take hold. Take hold here. It's one fifty-nine. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's two oh eight. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So Melissa, we were talking with everybody about the, the cash versus cashless society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a text, and actually. 50, 60, 70, 80 texts, people responding to this. My son-in-law is an engineer who works with a lot of much younger engineers. Recently, a co-worker came into the area with ice cream she was selling as a fundraiser for a charity. Most of the department wanted to buy some, but no one had cash on them. My son-in-law had to give them all some cash to buy ice cream. He said he felt like he was their dad. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, there's one in every crowd, right? (laughs) There is one in every crowd. Okay, so Melissa, you are... 
Hey, this is the last hour of, of my show before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. You actually came in and you said the building around here is like a ghost oh, town, right? It's like right? a ghost town. It, nobody's, nobody's here. I'm walking the hallways all by myself. Oh, well, oh, you and I. Well, and, yeah, and you room, and Right, room. exactly. But okay, so here you are. <laughs> I, I am making this executive decision, and this I've been doing this for a long time. Now here, and, and you are my witness. Here, I, I have this whole stack of stuff. I see. That this is all prepared, and there's a whole variety of topics from heavy, heavy lifting to serious stuff to some lighter stuff. I mean, but it, it, it's all it's all mm-hmm. there. We have a lot of stuff on Trump. And then, then there's this other stack of stuff. That's my that's my drops. I can do like 10 minutes on each of those. Is oh, that the fun stuff? Take, no, no, no. That's just on, on oh, taking, okay. that's without taking calls. But no, it's stuff like President Trump calling the appeals court a disgrace, Marquette University not opening the one of its facilities to the homeless people. Trump wants to prosecute Comey and Clinton. Oh, all sorts of stuff. I just say this, and you are my witness. There, there is all this preparation work that I have done. So Definitely. I mean, right. But I'm also, I run a transparent show, and it occurs to me that the day before Thanksgiving, when people are maybe you know, kind of checked out of the heavy-duty stuff, I, I, it's, it's a day to do some of the more, more fun, sort of lighter sort of topics, right? I would agree. Absolutely. So, but I just, I, I just wanted to witness that it, it's not that I didn't prepare all the different stuff, but. You know, yes. it's funny because I was over by your desk the other day and I, it was a complete mess. You had all your, and I go, what are you doing? You're like, this is my show prep. I was like, <laughs> I never seen you have it all over your desk, but. You're like, work does go into this show. A lot of a lot of work does. Right. I mean, it's all there. And I mean, sometimes I, I will say that you have this huge pile of stuff mm-hmm. and I know there's a pony in there. I just have to kind of look. <laughs> I, I yeah. got to look through the pile of stuff to find the pony. Yeah, and, which one's going to work and, today? And there always is. OK, well, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So that that is just uh, we're, we're going to do some lighter stuff and a baby, maybe a little bit more fun stuff in this hour, taking people up to their uh, Thanksgiving holidays. All right. For example, let us get started. The today, today is informally known as Blackout Wednesday. The reason it is called Blackout Wednesday is there are, particularly among young people, college age and otherwise, this is a time when lots and lots of college kids, but but maybe other people as well, you you come home for the holidays. You're you're going home for Thanksgiving. So the idea is okay. You're you're back. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. So this is, believe it or not, it's one of the biggest nights for like the bar scene and stuff because it's people, you've been away for college. Okay. So you, you've, you've come home and now the idea is everybody's home. You haven't seen each other for a few months. Let's go out and get together. Or maybe it's a deal where forget the college type of thing. You know, you, you have adults, some of your buddies who live far away. Um, but your college friends or your high school friends or whatever, well, they're back visiting relatives. Maybe they live elsewhere, but they're in town visiting relatives for Thanksgiving. And and tonight is the night that a lot of people end up going out. So there will be a lot of action at at bars and and restaurants, but but bars in particular. Hey, let's get together. We're getting in. Let let's go out and and have a drink. And I'm I'm always. I'm always looking for kind of fun bars. I have said this over the years. Uh, some people collect stamps. Some people collect rare books. I love to collect bars. And, and one of the when I when I travel to cities, particularly cities that I have never been in before, one of the things that I, I try to do I, when I do the research is, hey, is there is there a bar, that, a tavern, you know, that's that I I, sh- I want to check out in this particular community. 
And, you know, I, I've told these stories before. I, I found just a number of just a number of interesting and historic places. And then you go and have a drink. And a lot of times if they're famous, the, the drinks are way overpriced. But you can go and say, yes, I had a Bellini cocktail at Harry's Cafe American in Venice, you know, which is where Ernest Hemingway used to hang out. You, you, okay. It, it was stupid money. But, yes, I, I went there and I can say that for, you know, for what everybody cares. One of the things that's really been interesting to me is the way you've had different different bars and taverns as they've tried to adapt and, and always I mean there, there's some that are old school that just never ever change and there's some that have been trying to do different things to try to attract attract business and I, I, I started thinking about this because there was a story out of Madison a couple of days ago Madison has just there's a new bar which has come to Madison and you might say Okay, Jeff, you're talking about Madison. There is a there's four bars on every street. Have you walked up to State Street recently? What you know, what what is going to distinguish a a new bar in Madison? And it's interestingly because it's interesting to me because this this bar that they're opening in Madison is is an arcade bar. And what they've done is it's kind of it's kind of retro. What they've done is they've got 33 arcade consoles you know a lot of the a lot of the big video games that before everything was on your tv and your xbox and stuff there was a time when people actually you know had to go to these things called arcades you know and you'd put quarters in the machine and you'd play space invaders or you'd play donkey kong or you'd play super mario brothers or any of those diff- other other games space you know all those different games and you you'd put quarters in them and this is a new bar that they just opened in Madison, 33 arcade consoles, 11 pinball machines. Pinball machines. I I love the old, I mean we're talking the old fashioned pinball machines. You know, you put the quarter in them and you shoot the ball up there. I mean, it's it's just the way I I I wild away many misspent hours when I was a kid. And they've got, you know, 20 beers on tap. But this this new bar that they opened up is a huge huge hit. They have, I know there's at least one of these places in, in Milwaukee, and it's got, I mean, again, a lot of the arcade classics, things like Frogger and Double Dragon and Donkey Kong and Defender. I remember all these. And Burger Time and Centipede and Joust. Uh, let's see, Ms. Pac-Man. Just looking at some of the ones um, that they have and, and some of the newer ones as well. And then they've got all these different pinball machines that are there as well. Again, the old fashioned kind of pinball machines and a number of beers and things like that. And I, I was just reading about this. And apparently these places, these places are packed. These kind of retro places, the chance you could go and you can have a bar and you can get, you can have a beer and stuff like that. But also, the idea that you want to go back kind of in time to maybe a sort of simpler time when you've got the pinball machines and you've got the, again, the arcade games, right? Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, here's the bottom line. A lot of these these retro games that you find, nowhere near as sophisticated as the stuff you can play at home. You know, on your Xbox or your PlayStation or, or whatever, nowhere near as sophisticated as that. You know, and, and generally speaking, they're they're not the role playing games, and you can't hook up to the internet and play with people all over the country. You can't do like Fortnite and play with a hundred people from wherever. You know, you put your quarter in and you try not to get annihilated when you're you know playing Ms. Pac Man or Space Invaders or whatever. Nevertheless, 
I think these things sound like an absolute hoot. And if I had a couple of my, you know, buddies in town and we were looking for a place to go, you know, on a on a Wednesday night or something, this is the type of place that I would flock to. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, it's definitely a blast of the past. Pinball, arcade games, beer. Is this the kind of thing that has an appeal to you, or is this just, oh, it's nostalgia, but people are going to get tired of this really quick? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're having a little bit of fun as we go into the Thanksgiving uh, weekend. 217. If you're on the line, please throw on. This is Jeff Wagner. We're talking about this in just a moment. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Chris in Pewaukee. Chris, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing today? Real well, thank you. Okay. This sounds really intriguing to me. A place you can go get a beer and go back and, you know, play games that were big in the 1980s. Yeah, this was, we were just down in Fort Lauderdale about a month ago. And they had one of these down there, but down there, all the games were free, and it was kind of like a nightclub atmosphere. And we had an absolute blast. And my daughter's been trying to get me to go down, go to the one in Milwaukee, right. um, Uptown or whatever it is. And so we're kind of planning a trip down there. But I know the one in Fort Lauderdale was all free, and that was really—I mean, it was packed. I mean, the place was just crazy packed, and it was—I right. think it's really going to appeal to people like in my age, you know, in my age group where we grew up playing these games. Well, well, right, and you can remember, because there was, I mean, before, I mean, look, you've got all these great video games now, and I understand people want to sit in their basement, and you can have all this interaction and stuff, but but back in the day, you really did, you had to go out to the bars, and you had to stand it. I there love pinball. Some, there is something about those classic games that just really drag you in, though. Well, right, absolutely, and you sit there with the quarters and stuff. No, thanks, thanks. I mean, I just think... I mean, I guess the question's going to be, because you're starting to see more and more of these bars open up. Like I say, Madison just got its first one like this. You know, Milwaukee has a couple. and, and But this is something that, you know, the, the whole retro bar and this whole thing. And I guess the question is, will it appeal to baby boomers to make them want to go? Yes. Will it appeal to millennials and, and some of, you know, the other younger people that are they going to say, oh, you mean, really, you'd stand in line and put a quarter up to play this Ms. Pac-Man or Pac-Man things? I mean, come on. But I, I think... I think there's that socialization, and that's what I think it, it hits on. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dave in Kenosha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Dave. As Yogi Berra said, this is deja vu all over again. <laughs> okay. When I went to UW-Madison back in the mid-'70s, there was a place called Union South. I think it's still there. But back then, 18 was the drinking age, and you could go in this room. There was probably 30, 40 games, mm-hmm. you know, and then you'd You'd have your buddy. You wouldn't want to lose your seat at your at your game, so you'd send your buddy up to the bar to get you a drink. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. just, if yeah. your mom and dad thought you were studying, they were wrong. <laughs> right, and beers were probably a lot cheaper than they are now, but it was, it was fun then, and it sounds fun to you now, huh? Oh, I've got a fine one. What do they call? Well, there uh, uh, there's a couple. I mean, they're they're called like arcade bars and things like that. Just- you know, not, not Sammy's arcade bar. Well, arcade I mean, if, if you, for example, if you just, if you would, and I'm, I don't want to promote any one particular, but I mean, if you would just put like arcade bar and and Kenosha, they, I'm sure you'd you'd be able to find something. No, thanks. For, I mean, I think it's, but again, it, it's one of these things that you're, you're right. It is like it's a Yoga Berra thing. It's it's, it's deja vu all over again. But it's one of these things that I think for a lot of people, you'd say, gee, I remember this. But I think it's, again, it's a fun sort of thing because one of the things 
I get the whole video game stuff, even though it, a lot of these video games now are, are just, I, I don't have the time to learn how to play them correctly, you know, and so that's why, like, my 11-year-old nephew just takes me to school on some of these different games because you have to spend hours and hours, I think, learning how to play them. But one of the great things about a lot of these old arcade games is, all right, you know, you, you can, you know, after a few quarters, you can probably figure out how to do this type of stuff. 414-799-1620, Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I've been to both an all video or an all pinball bar right and an arcade bar in minneapolis and they were both crowded at times you wouldn't expect bars to be crowded and they were both very fun um yeah and I, my guess is they're probably crowded with people from all different age groups as well yeah like the pinball one had had older people there they had people my age and then they had it was funny because they had like parents there that were introducing their kids to those types of games oh yeah no thanks for coming and seeing that's i mean it's just again it's kind of one of these these social things that are out there and i mean nobody's saying that you have to go to the places and you have to line up and you have to play the games but my guess is it's kind of got a fun vibe to them let's talk to john in menominee falls john you're on wtmj hey hi john we have we have a place here in the fall. It's not a bar, but it's the same as an arcade. Right. You know that's like an old style arcade, but uh, it's you get a wristband, so it's not quarter driven. Okay. But uh, the one thing, if you're into tech, I work in tech, and my daughter's a big gamer. You can actually show them what graphics were in 1980. <laughs> yeah. It'll pop up and say, you know, Atari 1982. And it's like, hey, this is what I actually played. This is what you learned. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's also social. Yeah. You see that that's see I think that's the thing that a lot of a lot of the gaming misses nowadays because you're not interacting with other people. I mean you you are through the internet. I understand that, but there's yeah. there's something different to be, you know, kind of standing there and watching people play and you got five or six people gathered around a machine. But yeah, isn't it amazing the I try to explain to people gee, what Pong was or what Space Invaders was and they just kind of look and say, "You really spent hours playing this stuff?" and you'd say, "Yeah, you did." And you get, you know, these the old arcade games, they're, you know, two-player, some are four, whereas a lot of the PlayStation games are single-player. Right, right, so right. you can right. actually, I can play with my daughter. They'll yeah. play Donkey Kong or whatever together, you know, and you and you have people standing around watching and waiting their turn. So it's, you know, it's nice, clean, there's no smoking, you know, everybody can just kind of hang out and play. So, yeah, I like them. I mean, I've never been to a bar with them. Yeah. But, it'd be, but I think it's the same principle. I mean, no, thanks. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's the same principle. It's just kind of geared more for adults, you know, and you've had, you know, I mean, the, the concept of, of games and stuff. I mean, you, you mean, for example, you've got what's the, the chain? Dane and Dave and Busters. They've got the one over by Mayfair, you know, and that's clearly, I think, targeted towards, I don't know, people like in their twenties and something with a lot of the, the modern games and things like that, as well as kids. But I mean, this is, it's kind of retro. I, I think it's more than a fat. Now, maybe I'm going to be proved wrong, but I don't think so. John in Muskego. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I travel uh, for my job, and so over the last 10 years, um, I travel all over the country. I go to these places all the time. And uh, the first one I saw was maybe about eight years ago in Denver, and um, when I saw a line up the door at 8 o'clock at night to get in the place, <laughs> It, it wasn't just a fad because it still has the line on now. Just right. a couple months ago, I was there, and there's still a line on the door to get in the place. Yeah, I mean, what do you think the appeal of this is? Why why are people lined up to get into places like this? Um, I think nostalgic for the older people, and uh, 
curiosity for the younger crowd. Yeah. Huh. You know, I mean, pinball is fun for everybody. It was fun when I was 16, and it's fun now. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I think I'm seeing there's a lot of people who grew up with without understanding what is this pinball thing of which these people speak and it's well it then they go oh this is kind of fun and there's an art form to that and yeah no thanks for, i mean I, it's just i i understand there's this retro craze and you're, you're starting to see more and more of these out there but the reason you're seeing more and more of these out there is because it, it's working and people want to go josh on the south side josh on wtmj hello uh you know there is a bar like that in milwaukee yeah there's a couple actually yeah so, uh, yeah, I don't get the appeal, but it's popular now. I mean, <laughs> if I had all that money I wasted when I was a kid and put it in Microsoft stock. <laughs> yeah, if we, if we, if you knew then what you know now, huh? <laughs> right. I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, hours worth of quarters. It adds up. Oh, yeah, no, that thanks. No, plus it's, it's not just the, um, it's not just the it's the it's not just the money. It's the time. I always say, "Gosh, maybe I would have been smarter. Maybe I've been a better lawyer. Maybe I studied more if I hadn't spent so much time doing this, that, or the other thing." But it was it was a lot of fun. And yes, you're right. There's a couple different places. There's one downtown. I think there's one on the south side as well. There, but but this is, Madison now has its first arcade bar. I I think it's it's one of the coming trends. And I I mean, sometimes you see this stuff and it's it's just oh, this is it's hip and trendy. It'll be gone in a couple months. This one might have a little, there might be some staying power. 228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Thirty-five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. If you miss any part of the show, we I invite you go to WTMJ.com, click on the mobile app page, and subscribe to the podcast. I, I know thousands and thousands of you do that every month, and I really very much appreciate that. Um, we started off the show. It, it is actually, I, I understand it's it's kind of my morbid sense of humor, but we started off today commenting on this story about the flop. I mean the hop, the Milwaukee streetcar that um, one. <laughs> One today, kind of, it just sort of died. Journal Sentinel is now writing about it. Uh, let's see. One of the new streetcars stalled in traffic. Cars stopped running about 10.30 a.m. while heading east on St. Paul Avenue near the Milwaukee Public Market. The car lost power, reversed direction, and inched its way solely in the opposite direction until they had to send out another streetcar to tow it. The, the good news about this was... It was an inconvenience to all the people. Traffic was all tied up. But 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 the only good news was there, well, you know, at least as far as inconveniencing the streetcar riders, two people were on the streetcar. Two people were on the trolley at, at the time. So I know they couldn't have been too convenient, inconvenienced because they could have just called Uber and they could have, you know, no problem sharing it. Two people were on that. So I suspect that you're going to get more and more of this type of stuff as time goes on. By the way, the weather hasn't gotten bad either yet. We'll see what happens. All right. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. This is one of the great debates. And and I understand whenever the holidays roll around, probably the greatest debate that, that inspires the most passion is the whole idea of an artificial tree versus a real tree. We're not going to go down that route. I've gone down that route too many times in the past. I still have these psychological scars from it. But there is a similar sort of debate that plays out over Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is one of my very, very favorite holidays. I, I just absolutely, I, I love it. But I've seen this from from both perspectives. So, for example, tomorrow, my, my wife, who runs a restaurant, um, 
for at least a little while longer. She she's you know she's got to work, so she has to work during the day, and they have this big buffet, and they have hundreds and hundreds of people coming. So she's going to go in early. She has to work, and I'll I'll go out there eh, towards the end of of their seating thing. I'll eat something there, and then what we're going to do is we will head over to my stepdaughter's house, and they have a big Thanksgiving thing for family and friends. I'm looking forward to it quite a bit. So I'm I'm going to get two separate meals if I play my cards right. And of course, in the one hand, it's going out to the restaurant, and then later on, it, it's you know going to the you know the home cooked turkey and stuff. And I've already been told that next year Thanksgiving is going to be at our house, which will be very very cool. All right, so for people who are hosting the Thanksgiving, for people who aren't going out for Thanksgiving, there, there's two ways that you can go. One way is everything from scratch. You can be one of those people that were standing in line in front of me yesterday when I had to stop off at the at the grocery store, you know, and, and looking at all the people who had the carts that were full of all the stuff from the frozen turkeys to all the different things. One is we're cooking the dinner ourselves, and we're going to start two days ahead of time. That's the, the one camp. There is another camp that's out there. There are a number of places throughout Milwaukee that – Grocery stores, restaurants, catering operations, there are a number of places which specialize in making holiday dinners. You know, if you don't want to fool with any of that, you can make one phone call and with a simple wave of your credit card, you can get the turkey, you can get the stuffing, you can get the potatoes, you can get anything you want, and they'll have it there. All you have to do is pick it up, it'll be boxed up. And all you have to do is warm it up in the oven and your Thanksgiving meal is done. All right. Now, I have to tell you, for, for years, I was in that second category of people. I mean, that's, that's what we would do. Found some places that had some, you know, really good places where you could order the turkey. They would take care of it. Some have been advertisers in the programs over the years, but they would take care of absolutely everything and it would be tremendous. And I know I would tell that story and other people would say, no. That's not what Thanksgiving is all about. It's got to be from scratch. And that's when it occurred to me that there's really kind of two types of people in the world, just like we say, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I, I think there's two types of people in the world when it comes to a holiday dinner like a Thanksgiving dinner. One is it's got to all be from scratch. You know, you, you've got to make the turkey. You've got to make the pies. You've got to do everything. And the others are, hey, you know, there's some really good places out there, and there's some people, and this is what they do for a living, and you can order it up, and it's going to be all set, and nobody's going to know the difference. So let's have a little bit of fun as we ease into the Thanksgiving extended weekend. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, which one of those people are, are you? And is it just a great convenience to be able to make one call and order everything together? Or is that kind of a cop-out? Is it not Thanksgiving until you've been working in the kitchen and you've made everything for people? Where do you come down? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to have a little bit of fun and discuss in just a moment. 241, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, almost a quarter of the way through the season, and the Bucks remain one of the top teams in the NBA. How did they get there? John Mercure explores with Bucks Insiders, 345 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, a number of calls, all guys on the line right now, and that's, that's fine. But I, I understand that in many homes, 
it's it's the gals that are the ones that take principal responsibility for getting the Thanksgiving dinners done. So here's the idea. If you go out and order one of these prepackaged dinners and somebody just has to go pick it all up, is that a cop-out? Or is that consistent with the spirit of Thanksgiving? 414-799-1620. All right. Is it a cop-out if you're not making everything from scratch? Let's talk to Scott in Hartford. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I'm old school. I just uh, just went to the local uh, grocery store and just picked up two 20-pound turkeys and three pounds of beef tenderloin. So I'm the guy who's going to be cooking most of the meals. So. <laughs> okay. Okay, so when are you going to start? Uh, I'll start tomorrow morning. Okay. All right, yeah, and, I got to spread it out, spread out the two turkeys, and then in between, I'll be cooking up the beef tenderloin. Okay, so if you were to have gone to like a, a butcher shop or something, or one of the grocery stores that have the everything in a box thing, people would be saying, "Scott, what's going on here?" No, I, I take a lot of pride in being able to make a good meal for everybody, and I just I feel like it would be a cop out if I had somebody else do it for me. So. Yeah, okay, they, I, and I get it. I mean, and I get it. Matter of fact, that's the, the, the justifications I hear a lot of times. I have some people say, well, I just, especially that's especially some guys, it's like, here, I'm I'm going to do the turkey on the, the grill this year, and I've got the smoker, and I've got this all set, and I, I, I love turkey, you know, but, I, I mean, for me, for me, if you're depending on me to cook it, you're in a lot of trouble. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm real well, thank you. What do you think? Oh, it's all from scratch. Actually, I'm in the middle of a lot of it right now. I, mean, it's a, I cook for about yeah, between 25 and 30, and I make everything from scratch. Okay, so what, what's going to be on the menu that you're making everything from scratch? Uh, well, obviously turkey, right. uh, um, wild rice stuffing, giblet stuffing, um, cream corn, huh? uh, green bean casserole, glazed carrots, <laughs> homemade cornbread, homemade dilly rolls. <laughs> And, um, and you're making it all from scratch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pumpkin cheesecake. I finished up that last night. <laughs> you got room for one more at the table? Actually, <laughs> well, that and pecan pie and uh, uh, cranberry apple, and then with a cranberry uh, relish. Ah, it, and, it, and it just you, it gives you it gives you great pleasure now. So you've been working on this, I mean, since last night. My guess is it's you're going to be working on it well into this uh, into tonight as well. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and plus we got to. Plus, we have to go to my mother-in-law's place tomorrow for a uh, oh. casserole. So I mean, I'm making that yet tonight too. So. Oh, I tell you, David, it's I mean, see, then this, and, and I mean, I, I understand. And for a guy like you to hear this, well, you mean you could actually like just call up and order all this stuff? That would take all the fun out of it. Let's talk to uh, Dave in Sussex. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, Generally, I'm a pretty good cook, and my wife helps, and uh, we, we go from scratch. But I think one point that everybody's missing here is that uh, sometimes ordering out isn't a cop-out. If you know your limitations, maybe your guests are better off if you order a pot. <laughs> that, you won't know. I, that's it. Oh, my gosh. We're going over to Aunt April's house, and oh, she's going to make that She's going to make that fill-in-the-blank again. You know, maybe we should just kind of, maybe oh, she no. should order it. But if you know she's ordering out for something, well, maybe it won't be so painful this yeah. year. <laughs> well, there, there is, I mean, thanks, Nicole. There, there is, I mean, there is that appeal, and you're right. You, everybody has to know their limitations, and I am painfully, painfully aware of mine. Jim in Slinger. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, I would have to completely disagree with the previous caller. It is a complete cop-out. Uh, we have about 25 people coming to my home tomorrow. Uh, we'll be making uh, turkey by scratch, potatoes. I'll have some relatives uh, bringing some 
items to pass as well, but uh, I'll be making my uh, honey bourbon glazed ham as well, <laughs> which is always a favorite, and I cannot wait for the leftovers. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. So this, this is kind of a family. So how many hours do you think that you you will spend getting ready to prepare the meal for tomorrow? Probably 10. Uh-huh. All right. And, yeah, and, and it, yeah, and everybody's going to love it, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Green bean casserole, turkey, there's and football, and, yeah. and of course, uh, an old fashioned or two. Well, yeah, <laughs> thanks. No, that's it. actually, um, matter of fact, um, some of my relatives are having a. They're having a. I don't. I'm not sure if I'm going to go tonight or not. But they're having an, an old fashioned party, literally an, an old fashioned, which is where they. That's what they serve is, is the old fashions. I, I. I'm not sure. I have an invitation. I, I'm not sure that I should do that. Given all the stuff that I have to do tomorrow, it might be best just to ruin line. You're just laughing. You'll, you'll, you'll go for me. Oh yeah, this is this is uh, this is my uh, this is my stepdaughter and son-in-law. And they 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 throw a really good party. There's just no question about it. They they throw a very very good party. And um, I, I I think I think I might take it easy tonight, given the fact that it's going to be a long day tomorrow. Let's talk to Patrick in Fond du Lac. Patrick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. I'm in the mood for Thanksgiving. Uh, me too. Um, personally, for me, uh, I've, I've done both where I cooked it at home and uh, done the catered out, and I'm one of those that, you know, wherever there's family, it's both good. Yeah. Um, and kind of a slight story of why we did the catering was because a couple years back, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, I decided to surprise her with a home-cooked Thanksgiving meal. And uh, when she came home, the first words out of her my, her mouth were, "Oh my gosh, what did you do to the kitchen?" <laughs> so after that, I I've, I've been pretty much banned from cooking turkey. <laughs> yeah, that's no thanks. For, whenever I hear those stories, thanks for the call, Patrick, and happy Thanksgiving. Whenever I hear stories like that, I I always I, I flash back, and I know it's Christmas, it's not Thanksgiving, but like the ending scenes at uh, in the movie Christmas Story. Where you've got, you know, the, the dad that just loves the turkey and waits all year to have the turkey. And you have the dogs from next door that get in and, and eat the turkey. And at, at the end, they all, they all end up at the, at the Chinese restaurant, you know, on, on, granted, that's on Christmas Day, not Thanksgiving, but it's the same basic premise. You know, I mean, the other thing is, you know, we, we talk about the ordering versus, you know, making it. Another one of the controversial things is, is I guess, you know, can you go out to eat? I mean, is, is that kind of a cop out? But I will tell you, I mean, you have you have places that are just absolutely packed. I mean, Thanksgiving is a huge day in the restaurant industry, and uh, you know, lots and lots of places are open because I think people just make the decision that well, it it's just it's a lot of work, and we'd rather we, we'd rather spend the time with our our family and our friends and who's ever coming, and, and that's by going out we're we're able to do that. So I guess the bottom line of this is that, however. You choose to celebrate Thanksgiving, whether it's making everything from scratch or whether it's ordering it from your favorite butcher shop or whether it's going to, you know, a restaurant and just enjoying the buffet. However you choose to celebrate Thanksgiving, I think the important thing is to remember what Thanksgiving is all about, which is just an opportunity for us to Get together with the people that matter the most to us and just say a collective thank you for all the blessings that we have and the fact that if you have good health or you have your family, you have your friends, thanks for, you know, whatever's been going on in the course of the last year. Because, I mean, no matter how trying and, and troubling 
and how many travails that you have during the course of the year. And believe me, I understand that, you know, you go through these, these periods in life. The, at, the end, at the end of the day, I mean, there's always stuff to be thankful for. And Thanksgiving is an opportunity to do that. I'm going to turn it over to John McCure in just a minute or two. But I did want to kind of take that as an opportunity to reemphasize something that is very important to me. I, I don't do this as often as I should. I used to end every show by this. But um, this is um, starting in uh, earlier this month. It was 20 full years doing a show full time. I mean, I've been at TMJ for 20 years going back to July. But it's been 20 years full time doing a show here. And I, I, I just it's been just a real pleasure to me to get to make a living talking to you about things that are important to me and hopefully important to you over the last couple decades. And I'm very, very thankful for you for giving me that opportunity and inviting me into your home and inviting me into your car and you know talking about stuff and giving me that opportunity to discuss things with you it's just i I appreciate that more than you can possibly know and so that's why i i always say that when it comes to your radio listening i know you have a lot of different choices and i really do appreciate you spending the last few hours with me all right when we come back we'll find out what john mercure has on his mind for wisconsin's afternoon news please stick around it's 253 this is jeff wagner wtmj